Welcome to this hour of Flames Talk. Coming at you from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio with Steinberg and Logan Gordon on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcast logo with us. Hi, Patrick. Hey, buddy. What's going on? Not much. Living the dream. Uh, the uh, final week of Flames Talk before summer hiatus kicking off right now. Uh, we're here until Friday, and then Flames Talk will take a little uh, summer break and be back sometime in August. And, uh, well, a new week begins, and really there's not anything new since the last time mm. we spoke. There's really not much new. Uh, but here is the latest when it comes to the no news that's going on. Um, this was Craig Conroy, the general manager, Saturday after the final day of development camp at Windsport. He was asked about any updates on Elias Lindholm, and that kind of turned into a, a very quick, but I think telling answer as to where things are right now with some of the decisions on the GM's plate. It's a slow process. We're just working through it, but I'm not, like I said, I'm not putting a timeline on it. You know, yeah. I want to make sure we do it the right way okay. for everybody. And of course, we're not going to get any updates. Like, even if there were updates to pass along, what good does it do for Conroy to come out and say, well, actually, yeah, yeah, you know what, guys? Uh, so I've been talking with Detroit, uh, Vancouver, and Boston, and uh, those are the three teams that I think we're going to try to move Lindy. Uh, Lindy told us no, so uh, we're gonna go, those are the three teams we're working with and going to try to play them off one another. Don't tell them, though, because I want them to... Th- like, of course, he's mm. not going to come out and give us any updates. Uh, didn't have any updates when he joined the boys on the Big Show Monday morning, which is available now as part of the Hour 3 podcast of uh, the Big Show, wherever you get them. So here's kind of where I think things are after just doing some digging around and doing some texting over the weekend coming into this Monday show. And really, Logo, it's not much different than what we been saying for the last few weeks really not that much different since the Toffoli trade was made just before the draft in Nashville we'll start with Elias Lindholm really that that is status quo they still await the decision that contract is still on the table we think it's uh we we believe it's an eight-year deal between eight and a half and nine million dollars in that range on the AAV uh, and they'll keep waiting for a little while here. And if he's willing to sign that contract or if he's willing to negotiate or discuss that contract, well, then progress will be made on on getting a deal done. Otherwise, they're going to wait for a little while here and not pressure him. I believe that they need to have an internal deadline. I think having an internal period of time where once you're into that period of time, you probably start to slowly pivot from re-signing to trading, but I don't think we're at that internal deadline. I don't think that internal deadline hits until maybe even next month in August. So that's kind of where things sit with Elias Lindholm, and really there's nothing a whole lot. uh, That's not really much of an update on Elias Lindholm because it's kind of been that status quo here for a little while now. Yeah, and as far as the the internal deadline, I know it can be frustrating for people to, you know, patience is always a hard thing to ask of anybody. 
and I get it. You'd, you'd rather these situations get handled sooner than later. I'm sure for Craig and, and the rest of the management staff, they don't want to go through the next couple months unsure of what their roster looks like and unsure what these two key pieces or, or more of their roster are, are going to look like or how it's going to shape their roster. No one wants that. But at the same time, if if the result isn't there, if the, the outcome of the trade isn't there for these kind of assets, you really don't have a choice. And like you said, Pat, to me, as far as the internal deadline goes, it's Calgary's problem and theirs alone, right? They don't need to share it. It doesn't do them... It doesn't do them a lick of good to share it with absolutely anybody. Yeah, and, yeah, you know what, Logo? Uh, so yeah. uh, I think uh, uh, August 9th is our internal deadline. Uh, we're not going to tell Lindy, but... Uh, Obviously, this is parody Craig Conroy because he'd never say these things. But of course, you're right. It doesn't make any sense it doesn't, to, it doesn't help to them. vocalize or, or no. publicize what your plans are. It puts you in a strategic downside when other teams... Yeah, when other teams sit there and go, okay... Calgary's only going to wait till August, but we'll just wait a couple weeks, and then knowing that they're not going to want to take it past August 9th, well, we'll come in on August eighth, and we'll go, uh, we'll go about it, right? It doesn't doesn't do them any good to do that. Do I think that they have internal deadlines? Absolutely. Uh, Craig's talked too much about the Johnny Gaudreau situation since he got the job for me to believe that he's going to walk this thing to trade deadline next year. Yeah, I, I just I won't believe that for a second. And look. Uh, does that mean he can't be patient? No, but I think it means that, you know, just because we don't have the exact timeline doesn't mean he doesn't. Yeah. And I don't think there does any good, to your point, to really say much more than what he said yeah. about Elias Lindholm. And I don't think there's anything wrong with waiting for a little while longer either. Because, you know, do I think that Lindholm would like to wait and is, or, or do I think that Lindholm, sorry, do I think Lindholm's in any rush to give them an answer? No, I do not. Um, I don't think that he is sitting there saying, Oh, I better, you know, I better get back to Craig here right away because if I don't, then he's going to be mad at me. Like, I don't think that's, that's in um, Elias's brain right now, but I do, I do think that you've got an opportunity to let it, continue to roll out and maybe you check in in two or three weeks and say hey where you at you know um just just based on where we are anything that we could uh any, any update from you if the answer is yes well then you work on that update if the answer is no well then you start to infer what that could mean so that's where things stand on elias lindholm i do think i will say this if you can avoid going into next season with him on an expiring contract, I think you're in a, a much better spot. I think you do put yourself at somewhat of a strategic disadvantage if you go into next year with him under contract. Now, I don't think it's untenable. I don't think it's unworkable. And if you are committed to, and if you are, like, internally, if you're Conroy and that management team, if you are adamant and willing to stand firm on the fact that we will not let this guy go for nothing, then I still think you can make a good deal between the start of the season and the trade deadline. But you have to be 100% okay with doing that. So, that's my worry is that maybe all of a sudden pressure comes from above. The team's doing well. No, you can't trade Lindholm. You know, I know that, it, like, see if you can re-sign him as a UFA. Like, that's what I think you have to avoid, which is why, if you possibly can, and I do think you can still get a good trade. I mean, look at some of the deals that have been made. There have been some significant moves made where um, there's been lots coming back in return, although I don't know if I'd use the 
Alex DeBrinkett trade mm. most recently is the best example. Mm. Um, but I do think that you can get good return on him still this offseason. But yeah, if you can avoid going into next season with him on an expiring contract, I think that's ideal. There's just so much risk involved in that. And I mean, take away from it what you started with there, Pat, on the the fact that you could be a winning team. And I don't think that's that's out of the realm. I, even, I just think about how hard it would be, even if this team has a good October, to suddenly get into the mindset of trading away a guy like Elias Lindholm. How hard that's going to be. Even if it is for a a good return or what you would recall a decent return on a guy. To me, that's that's so hard to get into, especially for a franchise that seemingly still wants to win. Okay, you start winning and you start getting those results because the culture's changed and because Huska's had that impact on the locker room. And now all of a sudden you go, okay, well, we finally got the offer, so we're going to take it now and you know essentially reset what we were doing and take away what, let's be honest, if the Flames are winning a couple months into the season, Pat, it's probably because Elias Lindholm's having a pretty good season. Mm-hmm. That's that's a tough, tough thing to swallow. And then you add into that, you know, the injuries, all the other sort of things that can come up. Uh, maybe Elias Lindholm continues to, to maybe go down a bit and hurts his own trade value, right? Maybe some of those struggles that we saw last year at times continue to come into his game and GMs around the league just don't value him as much as a guy that once scored 40 goals on a line with Goudreau and Kachuk, right? I think that those are all the kind of things that you have to take into account if you're Craig Conroy and you do have this thing take its, you know, into the first couple weeks of the season. Um, okay, Noah Hannafin. Here's where, uh, here's where things stand with him. And again, this is not really any different than where things have been the last few weeks. They're trying to move him. There's no question in my mind. They are actively trying to make a move and, and trade Noah Hannafin. Um, but the offers just have, have not been good enough to sign off on at this point. Uh, I, I believe they've set a price on Hannafin, and they'll wait until they get that price to move him. And that's the way you should do it. Uh, Noah, even though, again, Craig Conroy has never come out and said that, yeah, Noah isn't going to sign here. He has not said anything to that. His Craig Conroy's party line publicly has been, we're still trying to re-sign all these guys. But the belief is from numerous insiders, and as we understand it, that Noah Hannafin has told the Flames that he does not wish, it's not even that he doesn't want to be here, but he's going to explore other options at the end of his contract in just under a year's time. So he won't be signing an extension with the team between now and July 1st of 2024. So in that frame, he's the one that I think is most urgently in need of being moved because that has been put on the table. And I think they're trying to do that. Um, But as of right now, the offers have not been where they've set their targets. And I go back to what you said maybe a week or two ago, and you talked about the way that Joe Sackick handled the Matt Duchesne trade going back four or five years ago. And I think it's a really good way of putting it. Now, timelines are different. Again, I think you want to go into training camp with Hannafin not on an expiring contract. I don't think you want him on an, you know, in, in the final year of his deal, knowing all of what we've seen over the last number of years. But Joe Sackick put a price on Matt Duchesne, didn't move him until he got exactly what he was looking for, and then made a home run deal. And I think Noah Hannafin's value on the open market right now should be high. I think the Flames should be looking to get a very, very high-end haul for a 26-year-old defenseman with 
600 almost NHL games to his name. So yeah, they should be setting a firm target for what they're looking for and not making a trade until they hit that target. And again, it's July 10th. You've got a couple months to get that maximized return for a guy like Hannafin. For me, the Hannafin one is almost a little bit more cut and dry for the Calgary Flames because if I'm Craig Conroy and I take a look at the landscape out there, Pat, for teams that need to or want to improve their their D, there's not a lot of options out there. With all due respect to, to some of the guys, and look, some teams have will go with the options that they had in free agency, whether it's Florida, you know, taking a chance on all Reckman Larson or some of those other teams that we had, you know, thought might be around Noah Hannafin uh, earlier on. I, I just look at it and say, okay, Matt Dumba's an experienced NHLer out there who's finished his time with the Minnesota Wild. He's got some games under his belt that's an interesting option for a team that might look to pick up a guy on their defense uh, as the summer goes on. But there's really not a lot past that, especially in the free agent market. So if you're looking to make a splash, you're looking to considerably upgrade your D, which I think Noah Hannafin adds to almost any top four D in the NHL right now. If I'm Craig Conroy, I'm sitting strong on this one and saying, look, show me an option that you have that's better than Noah right now. Yeah, so, there's not many. There really isn't that many. And I know someone will say, "Oh, that's a homer as a Calgary take," and you're overvaluing your own asset. Maybe in in some instances we do do that, but I don't think I'm overvaluing him here. There's just not a lot of options left in what was already a pretty thin free agent class. Pat, if you want to make a splash, who are you going to right now? There's just not a lot of top four D at Noah Hannafin's age, at the price point he's at for this season that your people are going to be able to add given how little ca- salary cap space is out there in general until the cap starts going up. Craig Conroy has to know he has an asset on his hands, and I think given the, the time frame that we're at, where we're, what, seven, eight weeks before people start even showing up in their cities for, uh, for the beginning of training camp yeah. and skates and that sort of thing, I would have to imagine that somebody circles back to him and say, look, we tried some things. Let's get back to this and see if we can't make something work. Well, and, and I know that there's a lot of talk that, well, okay, a team that's acquiring him, they should probably be looking to uh, have an extension done. And I do think that that could help even maximize the return that much more. But I mean, I take a look at what um, I take a look at what Chicago got from Ottawa one year ago when they acquired Alex DeBrinkett. Um Again, Pierre Dorian didn't do such a great job a year mm. later, but what Pierre Dorian paid the first time and what Chicago got for Alex Debrinkit, you don't need to have a you don't need to have an extension signed nope. to get a good return. And so if if you're if you're a team that is looking to upgrade their blue line right now and maybe Hannafin is not one thousand percent keen on signing there right away, well you've got a whole year to try to convince him. If you don't convince him, you've got an option to move him at the deadline if you want. You've got an option to just play that out and see how it goes in the postseason. Like, and, and, and if you're a team that is adding Hannafin to try to get you to another level, maybe one year is all you're looking for for him, and that's just fine too. So I, whether there's an extension or not, I still think you can get a really good return for Noah if you end up trading him, which I think the Flames should actively be trying to do here between now and the start of the season. Um and then finally, Michael Backlund. And that's kind of the third name that has been talked about a lot. Toffoli was in there too, but he's now a New Jersey Devil. Uh, and I think right now the offers have been somewhat um, 
underwhelming on Michael Backlund. I think that's probably fair to say. Um, and I think the, I really think that Ryan Johansson deal hurt things. I, I, Johansson for Galchenyuk really hurt the market on guys like Backlund. He's not the only one, but if you're the Flames, you should be looking to get a decent return on Michael Backlund, period. This guy was another, what, top five Selkie or top six Selkie trophy vote getter this year. He's still one of the best two-way forwards in the National Hockey League. He's got one year left on a very reasonable deal, and he's still a high-end player. In fact, coming off the best season of his career in his mid-30s. The Flames, with one year left, should get, should get a good return on Michael Backlund, or they shouldn't trade him. And, and this is where this is one that I'm really hard and fast on. Like, if you're not getting good return, if teams are lowballing you on Michael Backlund because they think that they can push the Flames around or push Conroy around, then if you're Craig Conroy, I, I just think that you don't trade him. And, and see what happens at the deadline when teams are really looking for players like Backlund because a good team looking to add a two, three kind of middle six center iceman like Michael Backlund who can control play like he does. Those are the types of moves that put teams over the top and win them playoff series when when they're kind of teetering. So they they would absolutely be able to trade Backlund to the deadline. And even if they don't, and he walks away, and they don't convince him to re-sign, and Michael walks away at the end of his contract, so be it. It's, be- it's better to have him play out that entire contract than trade him for pennies on the dollar if that's what's out there right now. So if the offer, I, I don't think they're, I, like just talking to a, a, a number of people, I don't think the offers right now are where they should be for Michael Backlund. And I think that um, if you're the Flames, you need, to, you need to wait that one out. You need to get a good return on him or you need to play him. because and You need to play it out with him because I don't think it makes any sense to just move him for the sake of moving. He's too valuable an asset. And I think there's a threshold where it makes more sense to keep a guy mm. as opposed to trading him if that deal isn't a good deal. I also look at Backlund a little bit differently than the other two guys we've had too. in this conversation 100%. because he's a homegrown draft pick. You know, it's it's, it's funny. You've brought up a couple of times the, the Pierre Dorian thing, right? And I, I said it earlier on Sportsnet Today. I said, you can live with that return if you're Ottawa if you hadn't paid what you paid to get to Brinkett, right? If you hadn't paid the seventh overall pick and a second rounder, if he was somebody internally that said to you, hey, look, I'm done with my time in Ottawa, we're going to move on, and he was a homegrown asset, it feels it just feels different to me. If you look back and say that first round pick for Michael Backlund worked out to 900 plus games in the Calgary Flames system and this was just the the end of it for both sides because yeah. that's how it came to be. Then I'm okay with that. I don't think you necessarily have to look at it as as maximizing your you know every single penny of an asset. You know, to would you would you prefer to get something in return? Sure, but to your point, if it's you know a mid to late round pick and a prospect that's just coming up in the AHL or something like that, I don't know. Does the does that really? change the reaction to anybody to, compared to how he walked away from it? I don't know. Yeah. It certainly doesn't for me. And again, knowing that he put in all the time as he as he has as a flame already, those 900-plus NHL games, being an assistant captain, being a part of the community, all of that to me. He just won the King Clancy. To me, it feels differently. And maybe, look, maybe some people feel differently no, about I'm, that. No, I'm 100% and feel with like you. you should maximize every asset regardless. But this is a guy that you drafted, you developed, and it was a home run 
selection for your organization. And if he walks away at 34, 35 years old. He would be walking away at the age of 36. Even older than that. So, okay. Like, what? So he plays, what else are you going to get for him at so, this point? So, so what, what is Backlund into his NHL career now? He's like uh, 13, 14 years into his into his NHL career. That sounds about He played right. one game in 08, 09, right? So was that, are we going to tell you that is his first season or is 09, 10? We'll go 09, 10 is his first We're season. We're at 23. 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 14. So he's at 14 seasons. So if you get Backlund for 15 seasons and he plays 19 or 20 seasons in the NHL and 15 of 20 are with the Flames and you don't trade him away, that's still a good draft pick yep. and it's still good asset management in my eyes. So I don't think you need to twist yourself in knots just to trade him. And if you're not getting good return for him out there, then wait it out. And And I also know that Michael, I know for a fact, that Michael's okay with starting the season or, or playing the whole season on an expiring contract. I know that he is he's ready to still be the same guy, the leader in the room, the guy who is committed to the team, all the all the community stuff, all of what has made Michael Backlund such a uh, hallmark part of the community and a hallmark part of the team. He's absolutely like there's there's no doubt in either side's mind that that situation would go on without a without a hitch. It wouldn't be a distraction. So if that's the case, that's the case. And there's also the whole idea: if he does play next season, he, you know, pretty close to a full season, moves him moves him into second all time on the Calgary Flames games played list, which is pretty neat. He'd pass uh, Mark Giordano this season for the most games in Flames history, second most games rather in Flames history. That'd be pretty special too to see. So I don't mind if. Like Lindholm Hannafin, I think it's a little bit different going into the season with them on expiring deals. I think you want to avoid that if you can. Backland, different story. Uh, as we mentioned, uh, Craig Conroy joined the big show on Monday morning for uh, a little state of the summer with the boys. And uh, this, is, this is what he said when asked by George if he'd be okay with going into the season with all these guys on expiring contracts. This is Craig Conroy Monday morning. If you have to, we have to. I mean, right now, I think with free agency, what you see is people are filling holes uh, with, with guys that are free, that they can just pay, you know, for one or two years. There was a lot of short deals out there. But I do think as we move closer to the summer, the, the teams that didn't have players, there's definitely been calls back and you have more conversations. So I think there's more stuff going to go on from here to, to training camp for the teams that maybe didn't find players. And then, you know, I'll, I'll find out if we're able to sign, sign these guys or not. And then, uh, you know, I do think there'll be some more movement, but if we went into the season with all three guys, we definitely, uh, you know, there are three players we want on the team and we think we can win with. So does that mean they'd be here by the end of the year? I, that would be, that's a different conversation, but to, to have them there to start is, is not a, a huge, you know, deterrent for me. Getting pretty good at keeping his cards close to the vest. That a boy, Connie. He's doing, getting pretty good at it. That was a couple of years ago. It's a, it's May not pros be. pro now. Peter Hanlon working the magic yep. with Craig. Hanlon's, Hanlon's got that. Uh, he's, and, and good, as you should. Craig, why use 120 words when 60 will do? Um, oh, okay. That's fair. Yeah, that makes sense. But again, like that's that is what the party line publicly should be 100%. And not to suggest that he's 
misleading us or anything like that. But yeah, publicly, you should be saying that, yeah, we're okay. You don't want to publicly give yourself even the slightest shred of less leverage. And what we're saying, NHL GMs don't care what Logan and Pat are saying in their opinions. True. If you're Craig Conroy, publicly, you have got to make sure that you don't say anything that could be even misconstrued as giving away even the slightest edge or the slightest bit of leverage. So, yeah, they should publicly be okay with going into next season because that doesn't, that now there's no timeline and now there's no GM out there who says, well, we can wait Conroy out. We'll wait till, uh, we'll wait till August and then he'll be desperate. And so, yeah, that is, that is exactly what you want to hear that they're willing to, willing to go into next season with all these guys. He's talking about Backlund, Lindholm, and Hannafin. Should he do that? I don't think so, but should he publicly be prepared to do that? 100% he should be because you need to uh, you need to keep your negotiating stance as strong as possible, especially when you're a first-time GM and there's no doubt about it that other GMs are trying to take advantage of that and see if they can, if they can push him around. And, and so far, I think holding... Uh, holding strong on on some of what they're trying to do is is important because it guards against being taken advantage of. Well, and Craig has to set the standard for himself too, right? He has to set this bar with 31 other GMs around the league 100%. as to how he is going to handle business, right? And it's it's so much more than, look, would any GM want to walk in the situation that Craig is having to make some of these decisions? No, it's not easy. But at the same time, he has to, like you say, is to look out for the best interest of the team. And, and look, this is him introducing himself in a completely different way to everybody, including Brad Living, who he had a great relationship in Toronto with, you know, over the years here in Calgary. This is how Connie's going to do business going forward, not just this summer, but in the next season and however many years he's a GM here in Calgary mm-hmm. or off into the future. So he, he would do himself a disservice to handle it any other way, yep. not just in this situation with the Flames, but for himself going forward as a GM in this league. Uh, okay, and by the way, that uh, chat is up right now. Uh, it's part of the Hour 3 podcast on the big show from Monday morning with the GM. Let's take a look at the text line at 960-960 if you're listening live with us on this Monday edition of Flames Talk. Uh, this says, Backlund's more valuable to the Flames, Pat. You can stand Pat and trade him at the deadline. And yeah, I think I think of all, not of all the guys, but I think there are two guys that I think you might even be able to get more at the deadline for than you would in the offseason. Yes. Backlund and Tanev. Because I think those are both guys that teams would covet on expiring deals as rentals and say, that guy could give us so much more depth in key spots in a playoff, in a best of seven playoff series. A center iceman, a two three center like Backlund on a playoff team. If you don't have that guy who just controls and dominates possession and you bring that in. That gives you a massive edge in a best of seven. And Chris Tanev, a top four shutdown defenseman, one of the best pure defensive D-men in the league. If you don't have that guy and you can bring in Chris Tanev, injury, or you just injury lost that guy not, for whatever you, reason. Exactly. Again, I think you could get an. I think you maximize those guys even more potentially at the deadline than you do in the offseason. Yeah, and it's funny you mentioned that because it's it's how you go about it. The age factor in the summer, everyone's talking about too old. Hurts their value. You're right. It's a complete 360 comeback, a trade deadline. Then all of a sudden, Pat, that age and that experience, that's an asset. That's a huge bonus for anybody else. I don't want to take a chance on a young guy coming into my decor and 
you know, playing huge defensive minutes for me. No, no, no. I want Luke, Sh- right? Luke Shen. Yeah. That's right. A really All good of a sudden, way. you're sitting there going, actually, I'd rather have Luke Shen, who's got 800 NHL games under his belt, than a 25 year old who's starting to find his way in this league. I'm going to pay up to bring that guy in. It's the exact same with Backlund and Tanev. The narrative will change and shift as we get closer to the trade deadline around all the guys that you see it every single year. Those those guys, Antoine Vermette was that guy for a couple of years, right? Solid face-off guy, really good two-way penalty killer, probably a guy you pay a million bucks for in the summertime. All of a sudden, you're like, yeah, we're probably going to give like a second-round pick to get him at the trade deadline because we need him going into the playoffs. It, it'll, it'll change. It always does. Yep. And I, it's, I, I the Luke Shen example is a really good one because that's – he has no value in September, Pat. None. Nobody would be looking to acquire that guy in September yep. or October. And then all of a sudden, there was a free-for-all for him around the trade deadline. Yep. Uh, what else we got here on the text line? 960-960. If the offers are low, you don't trade back. It's a funny spot where he's too valuable. But if he walks away for free, you can replace a 36-year-old number three center pretty easy, even through free agency. Maybe not a Selkie guy, but still solid. And and that's kind of the exact way I look at it. I don't know if I look at Backlund as a straight-up 3C. I look at him as a kind of a middle center, like a 2-3 center, depending on the uh, on the situation. But yes, I, that's, I generally am exactly where that texture is. Uh, this says, Pat, get what you're saying about Backlund or anyone being an asset, but they're human, and a person with a negative mindset beca- can become a liability very quickly. Bax is a pro's pro, so I don't think he'd sulk this year, but you can't overlook such factors. Agreed, but I'm quite confident on the Backlund front specifically that that would not be, uh, that would not be a worry if he were to start the season um, under those circumstances. I also think for Backlund and all the guys we've talked about in this situation, Pat, I think as far as the negative mindset thing goes, I would counter with it's a contract year. And regardless of how they feel about the Calgary Flames and the situation that they're in, their best interest is to go out and play the best hockey they possibly can for whoever it is that has their contract right to the end of the season and it comes to negotiating that next deal. Yep. Yep. That's that's in your best interest regardless of how you feel about what's going on around you. Uh, and finally on the text line at 960-960 from Travis. Uh, Pat, I think you can let Backlund and Tanev walk for free at the end of next season, and it wouldn't be poor asset management. Tanev, you signed for free, and Backlund played for over a decade for this franchise. Lindholm and Hannafin, you can't let ha- that happen with. You need to maximize on trades for those two. I agree completely, Trav. Uh, that's that's exactly where I would be uh, in this respect as well. Okay, we are underway on this hour of Flames Talk with Logan Gordon. My name is Pat Steinberg. This hour coming at you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. They're your local experts for basement waterproofing, sump pumps, crawl spaces, foundation repair, and radon mitigation. They're all things basement-y. Visit dlbasementsystemscalgary.com. Hey, it's George Russick. And Matty Rose. We host the big show with Russick and Rose. If you miss us weekday mornings on Sportsnet 960 to fan, first of all, shame on you. Second of all, download the podcast on demand. So many places that you can find the podcast wherever you get your favorite NHL, NFL, CFL, MLB, the stories that sports fans in Calgary want to hear. We got it for you. We are the big show. Flamestock is live on Calgary's hockey station. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, this hour continues. Logo and Steinberg with you on a Monday. So we all know the Flames need significantly more out of Jonathan Huberdeau next season. We know that. 
So how do the Flames go about making that happen? Because it's one of the million-dollar questions for the team coming into the coming year. Flames talk on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. We don't know what the final roster is going to look like because, you know, as we just talked about earlier this hour, Lindholm's fade, Hannafin's fade, Backlund, Zadorov, Tanev. We don't, Vladar, we don't know what things are going to look like between now and October when these two teams, or this team hits the ice, right? So there can still be plenty of roster movement between now and then. But all we can go on right now is the roster that is assembled and what they've got right now on July 10th. Um, Tyler Toffoli no longer with the team, which I think is quite interesting when having this conversation. But with those who are on the roster right now, curious what the text line thinks, curious what Logo thinks, let's talk about potential line mates for Jonathan Huberdeau for next season. And again, I understand this could all change in 24 hours' time or or seven days or 14 days or whatever. Who should be Jonathan Huberdeau's center that's on the roster under contract right now? Because I really want to see Elias Lindholm get that opportunity for more than you know, 12 or 13 games. It was it was pretty quickly scrapped last year. What, we were into November when Huberdo and Lindholm were split up and it never really got put together on a regular basis from that time forward. And, you know, it happened a couple of times, a few games here, a few games there, but really we did not get to see a extended period of time with Lindholm centering Jonathan Huberdo and especially with Lindholm centering Huberdo on the left side. Anyway. I think Elias Lindholm and Jonathan Huberto still have a really good opportunity of being a, a good potential duo if Lindholm's on the roster, if Lindholm signs his extension, so on and so forth. On the roster right now, Lindholm's the guy that I would point to as the, the guy I'd ideally have is, as Huberto's center iceman. Yeah, I think that's going to be the clear runaway here for the most part. I think just given... Well, we saw how it worked with Kadri. I think we saw all we needed to see... I just I don't like that fit. That well, it was force fed to a degree, right? Yeah. It was it was trying to make a a square peg fit in a round hole. It just it didn't work for whatever wherever it was. Whether one guy is more comfortable having the puck on the stick in the offensive zone, one guy's more used to being the retriever. Whatever it is, it just it didn't work, and it didn't work well between the two of them. Uh, I, I think Lindholm, given you know, and I think again. Are they the same player? No, but I think, you know, Huberto has some of those. I think at times we've seen Pat some of those playmaking abilities similar to a Johnny Gaudreau, and I think we've seen that work for as long as Lindholm and Gaudreau were here in Calgary. It, it led to Lindholm being a 40-goal scorer. I know Matthew Kachuk's a big part of that. I'm not dismissing that part of it, but I think we've shown, and I think Elias has shown, enough of a nose for the net, a good shot that he can be a guy that is the main benefactor to having a skilled playmaking guy as his winger. So I think that makes the most sense. I think it's too big of a jump up or down for a guy like Backlund to be in that position right now. I think Lindholm makes the most sense. And if this team does head into training mm-hmm. camp uh, with those two, I think what Mark Savard needs to get out of Backlund and, and or excuse me, Lindholm. Huberto and Lindholm yeah. together, that's going to be the main focus for for the offense. Okay, so we're on the same page there. So let's say that's exactly what uh, Ryan Huska is thinking going into next year. Lindholm and Huberdeau as a duo. Who else? Because I am. I really like the idea of Sharon Govich on on a line with Huberdeau as well. On his off wing. So, you know, Huberdeau was a little apprehensive last year, starting the year. He said, I've never played with two right shots. Remember, he started with Toffoli and Lindholm, who are both right shots. 
Um, and then there was that stretch of however many games in the middle of the year where Huberdeau was playing on his off wing, and that didn't work. So you've got Lindholm as your center, Huberdeau on the left, and then pop a left shot on the right side. Sharon Govich, who's played plenty of right wing over the last number of years, has got a dynamite shot, one of the best shots now on this Flames team. I don't know if it replaces Toffoli's outside finishing ability, but Sharon Govich can... Ooh, I don't know why I almost swore that. <laughs> <laughs> just in like, I, was even, I was like, whoa! Just, with Brent Cron over here today? What's going on? A completely innocuous statement. He can... He can just... Now, he, what I was gonna what? say, he can what did you say? he can friggin' hammer it is what I was, but I was just about to he's say got, he's got a pretty big hammer. Well, um, easy, easy. Whoa, that's what you see. Not talking about hammer it, right? But I mean, he can't. So yeah. I don't know why I almost dropped the F word, <laughs> but I did. Really, he Pat really wants to emphasize to you it's guys. Just, it's because I'm working with you. Yeah, it's like when, it's yeah. like we're not even in front of microphones. That's true. But yeah, I think put Sharon Govich on his off wing. Off wing. Set him up with some ozone one-timer opportunities, even at five on five. I know there's, I know that is more of a power play look to have the one-timer off the, you know, from a guy playing his off wing. But just get him in more prime shooting opportunities because when you're playing on your off wing, you're lined to the slot and you're lined to the scoring areas. Is this a little bit easier to get to? It makes other things a little bit more difficult it makes cycling it makes keeps it makes possession a little bit more complicated because you're playing on your offside but for a guy like Sharon Govich who scored 20 plus in this league and who can hammer it I just I I, I think that having him on his off wing with Huberdeau playing on his proper wing and Lindholm in the middle I really like that idea. You've got two guys with the opportunity to to shoot it and finish. One guy scored 40 in this league in Lindholm. We did not see enough of Huberdeau and Lindholm together. Huberdeau's back playing with a couple of left shot, another left shot on his line. I just really like that idea. I think there could be a lot of potential there. Yeah, I do too. I'm excited to see Sharon Govich up front because uh, I think one of the things that's come from you know talking to people in around New Jersey who saw him. That you know what you've seen in highlights from him, Pat, is the guy's got a shot. The guy can absolutely put the puck in the net, and having two playmakers like that, I think, is an absolute uh, something I absolutely want to see at one point. It's not the guy I had penciled in for this conversation. What did you have? Um, it's another left shot. Okay. Um, but it's uh, a slightly younger option. I went with Jacob Peltier. Okay. Uh, I think that it was just a, it was a small sample size for Jacob. Uh, I do think he's. Set to be a full-time NHLer this year. I don't think that we're going to see him. It would be in and disappointing the, if that is not the case. I, I I thought he had done enough last year to eliminate the ins and outs that he was getting in the lineup. But that's not for today. It's not the conversation we're having. Um, I thought he had earned more than the twenty-four, twenty-three games he got last year. And I think, barring a good training camp, that's something that held him back last year. Once he didn't have a good training camp, I think having that NHL experience and knowing what could potentially be in front of him if he has a good camp, uh, should help with that. But I think that natural chemistry that Jonathan Huberto had with Jacob Pelche to me makes a lot of sense. Is it a big role for Jacob Pelche? Yeah, I think it's a big ask for him. But I think given the the offensive responsibility he was given during his time in Stockton and then into Calgary when he was a member of the Wranglers, I think proves to me that he could be that guy. It's a left shot which we've talked about is, you know, something that can help uh, Jonathan. And I think, look, talking about that, that culture, that wanting to be here, that excitement, no one 
to me, emphasize that more in a bad year than Jacob Pelche. It sucked at times last year, but Jacob Pelche never lost that smile. And I thought for a young guy, he saw a guy like Jacob or like Jonathan Huberto who was having some troubles and having some struggles and was willing to be a really positive influence on that guy. So if we're talking about getting the best out of Jonathan Huberto next year and the guys that I think can do that, I think Jacob Pelche can back it up not only with some of those you know personal things that I mentioned and the connection that those two have, but I think he's got the skill to back it up too. Yeah, and I, I think that'd be that'd be very interesting to watch play out. I never, I, you know what? I did not consider that because the other guy I had written down was Matt Coronado, which again is lofty. Right now, who else is Calgary's right shot, right wing scoring option? They don't have no. one as it stands right now. Sharon Govich is a left shot. Lindholm's a center. Yep. The other right, I mean Walker, Walker Dewar. Right shot. That's your other right shot, right winger. Trevor Lewis is gone. Like they don't. Brett Ritchie is gone. They don't have right shots on this. Well, no, Nick Ritchie. Nick Ritchie is still an unrestricted free agent. I guess. Fair point. Who else is? Who else is a right Sorry, shot on this? Team? Didn't mean to do that to you. Fine. I mean, <laughs> nothing I said was inaccurate. There's no. There's no one. You're... Um. Just taking a look at the. Uh, I'm looking at the raw. Huberto left shot, Kadri left shot, Mange left shot, Backlund, Coleman, Sharon Govich, Dubé, Rizicka, Pelche, all left shot. And then you've got Matt Coronado. Now, as we may, maybe that doesn't work as well because maybe it's a different center iceman if that's the case because maybe you don't want two righties going on a line with Huberto. What about on the text line? Because text line's chiming in now at 960-960. What about Dubé as a center? And and just for sake of this argument, so we're talking about Lindholm. Lindholm may not be on this team next year. Yep. If that's the case, and we don't know what Craig would get back in a Lindholm trade, but if that's the case, what about Dubé as a center iceman full-time on this team? Because it's something that they have tried at different times and something that Daryl Sutter talked a lot about. And say what you want about Daryl, I do think that he was very invested in bringing Dylan to a next le- to the next level. I think Daryl saw a lot in Dylan Dubé as a hockey player. What about moving him? And and that's one of the reasons why they tried him at center because they wanted to continue to bring that out of him. What about moving Dubé to center and having Dubé, Huberdeau, and somebody else on on that line? It's an interesting thought. I I don't know that I love it off the the top. Um, that's the one area that Dylan's, you know, sort of, I think still finding his way in the NHL is that consistency on a offensive basis night in, night out and trying to find that right spot. And I don't know that that's the immediate fit. I'd almost, you know, if we're going to play the game of, of moving guys around a bit into similar positions, if Lindholm's not there, I don't know. Does Ruzichka at, at center do anything for you? It worked all right when they had him in the top in the six. Wing, yeah, maybe. I mean, I don't. He seems disinterested in the bottom six of your lineup. When you put him in that type of role, he seems disinterested. And more times than not, and I hate saying it because he's got so many tools and so much potential, he, he just he can be invisible. Yeah. But those nights where he's given more of an opportunity, and what bigger opportunity than potentially looking over to your wing and seeing Jonathan Huberto there? Again, am I, am I saying it's not a big, it's a huge jump, obviously. But if you're if you don't get a, a comparable center back in a deal for Lindholm, you might have to get creative here because your number two option 
We both said off the start of this, and Nazem Kadri, it didn't work well last year. Yeah, I can't imagine that's where you want to start things off with trying to get Jonathan Huberto to bounce back with was the center iceman that he had the least amount of success with last season. Uh, rock a few texts for you at 960-960 on this conversation. This says, guys, I'd really like to see Dubé back at center with Huberto. Huberto had success with Sam Bennett and at center, and I really feel like there's not a lot of difference with Dubé and Bennett. Dubé brings speed and tenacity to a line which would open space for Huberto. Huberto, Dubé, Manjapani would be a great line in my opinion. Interesting. This says Nylander's a right winger. Yes, I, I guess he can. George texting you? Could be. No. Um, this says, I remember, uh, this says dubstep needs to be the center for Huberdo. I believe that is Dubé. I don't wow. know. How do we feel about dubstep as a uh, nickname for Dylan Dubé? Uh, so what, we'd be changing dubs? Yeah. Yeah. Gonna need I don't some, know that dubs is great, but I'm going to have to sit on it. I'm going to need some time to, uh, to think about that one. Uh, this says you have to try to get the most out of Huberdo, no question, but you have to understand there's a very good reason Florida chose to walk away from a 29-year-old who just put, 100, put up 115 points. My take is that Florida felt he was too soft for the playoffs. To that point, the Panthers... Um Play-by-play guys watched him every game of his career, attributed Sam Bennett and his direct style of play, rubbing off on Jonathan as the reason for Huberdeau's breakout season. I mean, it's not like he hasn't had productive years in the past. He's been he's been in the 80-point range a few times before, so it's not like that was his first productive season. It was his only triple-digit season. I grant you that, but, you know, I'm not really, at, at this stage... I'm not really worried about Huberdeau in the playoffs. I'm worried about Huberdeau in the regular season. Yeah, if you Let, let's let's if you start there. If he doesn't get going in the regular season, it doesn't matter. You're not going to talk about the playoffs. If he, if he has another 100%. season like he has, like he had last year, you're not going to the playoffs. Yeah. So it, it's a moot point. Uh, Tyler uh, says, "I remember Sutter saying Lindholm was very picky or didn't like playing with certain people. I can't remember the exact." Quote, but do you feel there's any truth to that statement and therefore Elias and Jonathan wouldn't be great line mates? Yeah, I seem to remember Daryl saying something like that, that like uh, very certain guys um, Elias prefers to play with, which I think is most players Sure. at that stage of his career. I just think that there is something still to be gained from Lindholm and Huberto. I understand the question. I do understand that question. I just would still, even knowing that, give that another go because I don't think it got enough um, opportunity last year. Uh, this says um, Dubé played best with the Foley and Lindholm last season. He got needlessly demoted two games after having seven points in two games, if I remember correctly. Why not try Huberto, Lindholm, and Dubé? Also, I like the Ruzichka idea that comes from Dylan in Revy. Uh, and this says Roy Kent at center is a great choice, which I believe is talking about Dylan Dubé. I have not seen Ted Lasso, so I don't know, but um, I believe that Roy Kent is who he looks like, correct? True. Okay. Yeah. I will watch Similar it. Similar facial hair. Okay. I will watch it at some point. I Roy just Kent's a little more serious than Dylan is. Okay. But yeah, I, I get the... It's, a, it's not an unfair comparison. Uh, okay. We're right now in our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio for Tuesday's Flames Talk. We will not be uh, because Sportsnet Today and Flames Talk is on the road out in DeWinton and the Calgary Firearms Center for the 7th Annual Brian Burke's Targets for Kids. That's coming up Tuesday for both programs. 
Uh, this, in the first six years of existence, has raised over $150,000, all in support of kids' sport, going all the way back to when Rob Kerr started this thing. It's turned into an absolute annual must-take-part-in event. So here's how it works. Um, you sign up your team for, uh, your team of four, and then you are uh, trap shooting all day long with local celebs. You've got... Um, You've got all kinds of different prizes to win. Great barbecue. Uh, you get to hobnob with some of the celebs after the fact, and it is just a lot of fun out in DeWinton. So um, if you're interested in it, you probably don't have time to get in for 2023, but go check out sportsnet.ca slash 960 for all the information because 2024 is something you should be a part of. Incredible cause, and even better than that, it's a lot of fun. One more time, uh, all the information for the 7th Annual Brian Burke's Targets for Kids, which is coming up Tuesday of this week. Go to sportsnet.ca slash 960.